And so, you know, I ship off to the Navy, uh, do the enlisted thing for a couple of years, uh, go to the Naval Academy. Uh, again, still very academically challenged, but uh, did all right. I made it out. You know, the, what, what do they call the last person that crosses the stage, sir? Right. So, um, uh, you know, I made it out and, you know, I believe that you grow the most during these difficult times and uh, through these uh, periods of stress and, and uh, conflict. Welcome to the Conquer the World podcast. We are Team CTW. I'm Eric Webster, and across from me is my partner, Nick Learman. We started the show to highlight the folks out there looking to conquer their own world. Business, politics, science, or nonprofit, we don't discriminate. We want all kinds of people. We're not here to sing praises, though. We don't want to give high fives. We want to talk about the hard stuff, the failures, the challenges, when things went sideways. What did these world conquerors do? How did they overcome adversity? We hope that you'll be inspired by their stories to keep conquering your own world. What's up? Hello. <laughs> yeah, figure out I look, something. You have, well, some of us are able to transition. Others, not so much. So what's up? Like the old Budweiser commercial is your way to segue into our segment. I, I didn't realize I was segueing today. But so let's speaking <laughs> of segue. So one of the cool things, right? One of the reasons we started the show, um, and we talk about conquering your own world is because we mean it. Like, you know, exactly what E just was talking about is like, we want to be able to reach out and touch other people and impact people and inspire and be inspired. Um, and we had a really cool, oh, I said we, <laughs> as if I get any credit for, for this. Team. Um, our team, one of our team members <laughs> had a really cool moment this week. Um, e, why don't you, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder. So tell us, tell us what happened. Um, all right. So as you know, I own a gym, Dub Fitness, but on top of, you know, running group classes, I also do personal training um, for both men and women. And I, I also do athlete training. And actually recently I've helped put a couple of, um, I guess, seniors in high school into the military. And the most recent, I think I may have mentioned her on an episode in the past, but she um, left for the Air Force Academy and her parents had reached out. And they wanted me to help get her prepared. And, and it was, um, it's always a different kind of experience. Sometimes the kid is motivated. Sometimes the kid um, has no idea how to even do a push up. Um, but she reminded me a lot of myself. So I, I used, I mean, I looked forward to it. I, I miss her. So, how, yeah, so, what, so what was it like when um, she, are we allowed to use her name or no? I don't want to. Okay. Know. That's fine. No, well, that's totally yeah. fine. So when she, when she comes to you and says, Hey, I need to get personally trained because I need to get myself ready to go to the Air Force Academy. Like what, what's, what's the sort of the state of affairs? Do you ever like, uh, what's that, what's that guy on the Simpsons with the big nose, pointy nose and he like, oh, people can't um, see what I'm doing with my fingers. The right old now. guy. Um, oh man. But I'm doing it. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> if you know, comment on, on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that I felt like that. I was like, oh, like I, it was like a me. Like I, I don't know. It was like an opportunity to train the version of me that I wished I was because I was an absolute train wreck going into the military, like hot mess. Um, and this girl, she has it together. She headstrong, knew what she wanted um, and was willing to do anything and put in the work. And it was funny. So her mom even said that, you know, like she, she put in the work. So I'm going to just read an excerpt from this. Um, well, fast forward. You, oh, okay. you skipped over. So oh, she comes in, she starts training with you, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> Not everybody's lived through this. Okay. All right. She comes and starts training with you mm -hmm. months and months ago, right? You guys train together regularly one or two times a week, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then she goes off and she just left for the Air Force Academy, like yep. just what? How long ago? In the end of June. End of June. All right. So she's been there a month. Um, 
so t- and then you get a letter from her mom mm-hmm. with an update. Tell us and now go. So so I wrote now that her. we have some context <laughs> for people who um, aren't living in the CTW right, house. So so again, so I'll backtrack even farther. So when I train clients, I don't just it's not a machine. You just don't go through and you're on a conveyor belt like I take you personal. You become my family. You become my sister, my whatever. Um, and so I, I was very personally invested in her and, and I made sure that I got her address um, because I want to send her letters because I know, you know, when I went to basic training, how important it was at mail call, you know, one, like not having your name called is so disheartening. So I wanted to make sure that she had mail. Um, whether it was like a stupid, funny card for me or whatever. Yeah. Which, um, side note: If you know somebody that's deploying or going to an, a military school, just send them a letter, man. Yeah. Dude, it's such a game. Doesn't changer. need to be a long letter. Oh, just anything. Just, something to hold in your hand and open. It's oh, mail call is have your name called. Yeah. When you're in one of those environments and and to, just to remind get reminded that the rest of the world actually still gives, gives a shit about you. It's, it's really, really um, a big piece. Sorry. I didn't mean no, to I was saying, kudos to my, my sister, Michelle, who's still in the army. She wrote me every day. I have all the letters. She would number them letter day one, day two. She wrote me every single day for six months. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so I, I didn't hear back from her and I've actually like a little kid have been checking the mail every day and I haven't received a letter. So her mom sent me a text today and she said, um, you know, Emma, I just want to let you know that Emma wrote us a letter and she um, said it, how much it meant to her. She said she is sorry. She hasn't had an opportunity to write back. Um, they thanked me for being so kind to her. And she said, you know, I know you're busy with the kids, Nick, work, many other responsibilities, but they really appreciate me talking to their daughter. And, you know, I just said, you know, I hope she's doing well, yada, yada, yada. Well, then she writes back and this is like the most unexpected she said she's had such a positive attitude considering she's been on crutches from day one. She because you broke her? <laughs> I did not break her. <laughs> um, but she fractured, she's an impact fracture on her femur, but that didn't stop her. She marched three miles on crutches with a 35 pound ruck um, without stopping. And that was just one day. Her armpits are bloody, her palms are blistered, but she said she will not quit. Um, she said, and for the record, I don't think she could be doing what she is doing with the crutches and everything going on. If you didn't have her so well prepared, I think it's because she was physically ready that she is the mental and physical endurance to get through this. And like, and I was crying and I, I and I wrote back to the mom and I said, you know, the actual tears are falling out of my eyes right now. And I te- I'm tearing up now because I like, I, I have all been searching for for this feeling that this feeling this that I got this moment reading this text that's what I've been searching for for the last eight years in running my business and since I got out of the army is that purpose right like you are where you are supposed to be like, no matter how shitty the business is doing no matter what stress I'm under trying to get leads in the door get clients in the door get members to show up for class like this text message right here is my reminder from the universe to chill the fuck out that what I'm doing is, is helping. It's working. There's this 18 year old girl who is out there crushing it. Like she doesn't have to, she, you know, she doesn't have to do this. She's not even in yet. You know, like this, she's, this is, this is preschool, pre-college course. And she's like, fuck this shit. I'm marching three miles with a ruck patch ruck pack on crutches. Like, I don't even know that I would do that when I was 18. I mean, listen, there's a, it, we are around a lot of badass people and that is a, uh, that's a, bad ass yeah. move right there. And, you know, and I listen, the, it, 
she said it right. And it, it's true. Like you can't get there. And, you know, we always talk about your huddle and we talk about the value of, you know, that you bring the people. And I think you're right. Like sometimes you forget, you get caught up in the marketing and the business and the payroll and the programming. And yada. You're touching human lives, yeah. right? Like I'm so proud of you <laughs> um, for creating or helping create this moment for her. You know what I mean? Like you're literally, you were that ripple in the pond. It is going to have massive impact, um, you know, for the rest of her life. She's going to be, she has nothing else. She's going to be able to look back at this moment and go, dude, that's pretty fucking cool. Right. Like in that moment. And that's because of you. Well, I helped. Well, well, and that's okay. a, a part of it too, right? Like I hate, I don't want to be like, oh, she did it because of me, blah, but, but the fact that her mom sent me that it's just a testament to one, like my dedication to her and her daughter's dedication to self. And, you know, and I said back, you know, that, that is some intestinal fortitude because I don't know people here who get injured, who would walk to their car on crutches, you know, let, let alone do what, what she did and to, and to keep going and to want something, to want something that badly and to do whatever it takes. Like that is what world conquerors are made of. Like that is what we, you know, when we talk about your, your worst day, like that was day one, like that is her worst day. This girl has been dreaming this since she was a little kid. And the worst possible thing happened to her when she is fulfilling her dream at the air force Academy and she won't let it stop her, you know, like, and it's, ah, so we're going to, we're going to have her on this show. Awesome. Yeah. So listen, <laughs> uh, like we're trying to protect everybody's privacy. So we yeah. don't want to name any names, but thinking about you guys, congratulations. E. I am proud of you. I know our community is proud of you. So thanks for helping make that happen. Um, and speaking of people that go on and do badass things, yeah. we're really excited about this week's episode. Uh, we're bringing on the one and only Joe Crandall. Uh, we'll do his intro here in a minute, but listen, Navy SEAL, you know, uh, company owner, gr- you know, growing his company by leaps and bounds, all in the veteran community. So pretty badass. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Tricycle Cafe and Bike Shop right here in beautiful Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. And veteran owned. If you need bike help, if you need to buy a new bike, you need to get your bike worked on, you want to get it checked, or if you just want to grab an amazing cup of coffee and a delicious muffin or a smoothie, head on over, make sure you stop and see our friends at Tricycle Cafe and Bike Shop right here in Conshohocken. Uh, thanks to our friends, Mike Brown and his co-owners over there for supporting everything we do at the Team CTW podcast. So without any further ado, uh, why don't we hear what uh, Mr. Crandall's got to say? All right, but we are super excited to bring on today's guest. His name is Joe Crandall. Um, and if you haven't already heard of him, which you should have, uh, let me tell you a bit, a little bit, a little bit about why we decided to have Joe on the show today. All right, for starters, in 1989, uh, Joe enlisted in the army, and he went to the Navy. Sli- oh my God! Sorry, sorry, oh. Freudian slip for <sighs> an army guy. Jesus, are you new here? <laughs> Solid start. Yeah, wow. It's, for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, before we started recording, there's a lots of uh, we'll call it B-roll and flubs from yours truly. All right, but in reality, Joe enlisted in the Navy. Um, and the important and really cool thing about that is he went on to BUDS, which for those of you who don't know, is the Navy SEAL training and selection course. So Joe successfully navigated and graduated from BUDS, went on to become a Navy SEAL with SEAL Team 5, where he served until 2003. Um, that's probably enough for most people, right? Go on enlist in the Navy, become a Navy SEAL, but he didn't stop there. Uh, he went on, he had a career for a little bit with Pfizer, Get Well Network, and then GE. But ultimately, he went on to this, what used to be 
small little business um, called Greencastle. He started as an employee in 2012 and then took over ownership in 2019. So let's talk about what Greencastle does and, and part of the reason we're asked Joe to come on today. Greencastle, first and foremost, uh, Greencastle Associates Consulting is an all-veteran consulting company. Meaning, when I say all-veteran, I don't mean veteran-owned because obviously it is, but it's also all-veteran employed, meaning every single person that works at Greencastle has served or is serving in the United States military. And when Joe took over in 2019, there were about 21 employees. But focused with his emphasis, with his drive, with his strategic thinking, Greencastle has now grown from 21 employees to 92 employees. And not just that, in the financial side, there's been 25% uh, growth year over year. When Joe took over in 2019, the revenue was in or around $4.5 million. In 2022, Greencastle is expecting to gross over $17 million. So we are talking about a man who, with his vision, with his strategy, and with his leadership, has taken an absolutely impactful organization and just poured gasoline on that fire. So Joe, we are super, super excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's good to talk to you guys. All right. So we start every episode uh, with our guests, with our Fire First a fire for effect section. We're going to okay. ask you some rapid fire questions, Joe. Don't think too hard about them. Let's have a little bit of fun. Let's get things loose. Erica, if you could do the honors. All right, Joe, what personality trait has gotten you in the most trouble? Uh, anger. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to anger and uh, it that? takes a lot of energy not to be uh, angry. <laughs> Is that why you started screaming and, uh, and cursing at us before we came on today? Yeah, yeah, that's why I broke the screen on my computer too. <laughs> you know, I've no, done that. I've anger. broken my laptop out of anger, like on purpose. This is yeah. like a long. This is old, Erica. This is my concerned face. By the way, I'm getting yeah, very, very, yeah, very you worried. Be careful. You should have seen what Erica sent me the other day. It was uh, I th- she was literally threatening my life. It was very concerning. <sighs> <laughs> She's like, it's, it was a joke. It was just a, an episode from Snap. You can always say it's a joke until somebody gets hurt, right? <laughs> uh, don't worry. If anybody, if anything happens to me, it is saved for posterity. Just check out my social uh, and it'll be there. All right. My question for you, Joe, is if you ha- could pick one special talent or superpower, what would you like it to be? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, one talent or superpower. Um to be able to eat anything I want without getting fat. Oh my god, <laughs> a good one. That is. Uh, I don't care about flying. I don't care about X-ray vision or super strength. <laughs> I just want to be able to eat whatever I want. Oh god, I can't believe that hasn't been said before. I that know, I've that's... never even thought about that. No, that's what a fat Navy SEAL will say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Marvel needs to grab that right and make it exactly. Can, I should make an entire character. franchise. Yep. Yep. Truth. All right. All right, next one. Would you rather be the best player on the worst team or the worst player on the best team? Oh, probably the worst player on the best team because then they, it gives me motivation to uh, get better and, and try to improve myself. That's if you're the best person on, a, on the worst team, there's, you're not chasing anything. Interesting. I was going to say because you still get a ring even if you suck. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> going for that low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I'll go with that answer. <laughs> Erica's very happy just being a hanger on her, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a new one to our fire for effects section. Right. Joe. What fear would you like to conquer? 
So I don't, I, I really don't have a lot of fears. Um, my biggest fear is, uh, to lead an ordinary life, uh, that doesn't have impact. Um, so that would probably be the one that I'd want to overcome. Well, brother, I want to have impact. I can comfortably say you've already accomplished that. So, uh, kudos. Yeah. All right, man. So listen, um, we, we want to deep dive a little bit here in a second on, you know, adversity and, cha- and challenges and failures. Yep. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, I did my best to try to tell the folks out there what Joe Crandall and what Greencastle are all about. Uh, but why don't you give us, you know, give us a 30 second pitch. What, what is Greencastle set out and aiming to do? Yeah. So the, the company itself is an implementation consulting firm. And to put it simply, it's a strategy execution. So we help big companies uh, accomplish big projects. Um, but it, when you boil it down to really the basics, uh, it's about getting shit done. And that's actually our motto and our slogan. Uh, we actually created a certification around it because we felt so strongly about it. But uh, our clients hire us to make sure that uh, uh, projects are getting done, change management's getting done, all sorts of things that they they need help with uh, are getting done. And so, uh, you know, you listed out some of the accomplishments that we've had uh, since I took over. Uh, but it, it is definitely a team effort. I could not do it by myself. Uh, you know, the <clears throat> the other folks on the leadership team, as well as everybody at Greencastle, if they didn't uh, work in uh, in unison to do uh, the things that they're doing to accomplish our goals, uh, there's no way I could have uh, you know even gotten close to where we are today. And when you're talking about companies and you you help them in the or companies and organizations and helping them get shit done, I well first yeah. like full disclosure, listen, Team Foster is one of them, right? Uh, we yeah. started working with Greencastle last year, and we're already seeing you know very significant results from from the guidance and the help that we got from Greencastle, and specifically from you. Uh, what other like what are the kind of clients are you working with, or is there like a typical client that you have? Yeah, well, our most typical clients right now is in the utility industry, uh, just because that's where uh, we've kind of focused all of our effort. Before, we used to do a lot of healthcare. Uh, our approach is really agnostic to the industry. It doesn't matter. It could be banking. It could be accounting, uh, lawyers, whatever it might be. But uh, heavy, heavy right now in utilities, uh, which will probably play out well uh, for us in the near term, just because uh, we're gaining a lot of uh, specialized expertise to help those utilities uh, accomplish different projects. I mean, everything from swapping out a software system to launching new programs. Uh, we do a lot of in the uh, data visualization, uh, data uh, management space with uh, Power BI. And so it's it's really uh, a... Uh, uh, a hodgepodge approach uh, for some of these projects because none of them are alike. Uh, some of them are, uh, again, launching, uh, you know, pl- uh, platforms out, you know, so maybe they got to put a hundred, uh, you know, or a couple hundred uh, computers out there to their field force or they're uh, launching a new cell phone system or something like that. It It's really agnostic. It just is, uh, if it's a project and it needs to get done, uh, we can usually help. It's pretty awesome. So Joe, when we talk about, obviously you've accomplished a, a whole lot in your short time on this earth, right? You're a Navy SEAL. You're the CEO of a massively successful company. When you think back about the challenges, the adversity, you know, or the failures along that path, like what what are the what's the first thing that comes to mind, and what'd you do about it? Uh, well, one of the one of the things that happened in my career is is that. Uh, uh, I took a huge step backwards, I think, from the you know the upward progression that you're hoping for when I joined GE. And uh, the reason for that was is I went from like consultative sales, uh, working with clients, trying to solve big problems, to more transactional point of sale, like, hey, what can I do to get you in this ultrasound machine today? And I wasn't very good at it. And eventually I got fired. And so that was a 
that was a point in my career that was kind of low. You know, nobody wants to get fired. Nobody wants to, to be let go. Um, but it was also a very crystallization, a uh, point of crystallization for me because it told me that I didn't really want to be part of a large company. I didn't really want to be that uh, kind of uh, car salesman. Hey, what can I do to, to get you in this today? I'll, oh, I'll go talk to my manager kind of stuff. And, uh, but, and then that, uh, that also led me to Greencastle, which uh, with those sequence of events, it might not have happened. I might not have ever heard of Greencastle and uh, eventually, uh, you know, might not have ever uh, purchased it from, uh, from the previous owner. So what did you do when you got fired? Was it like a shock? Were you like, shit? No, no, it was definitely not a shock. Uh, <laughs> my manager was a Marine actually. And uh, I had been underperforming for a long time. I'm telling you. And he was very generous. And one day he walks up to me and he goes, uh, you know, Joe, one, one of these days I'm going to have to fire you. And I'm like, I know. And uh, uh, I mean, one day candid. he calls me up and he goes, hey, uh, can you meet me at the, the Newark train station? We got to talk. And I go, is this the day? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. You know, and it was just kind of like, it, it was just, he was very good. I mean, when anytime you fire somebody, it should never be a surprise if it's for anything other than uh, them doing something uh, dastardly, right? If somebody's stealing from you or doing something uh, something unethical, get rid of them. But if it's for, for performance, it should be a slow and gradual uh, you know, approach to that ultimate, hey, either get better or get out. How do, I'm trying to put myself in that space, Joe, and it's, God, I mean, for high performers, right? I mean, you, you were a Navy SEAL we, and we talked about that. That is like, you're the cream of the crop. You're the best of the best, you know, and you're obviously a high performer now. What, how did that feel, right? When, when somebody says, I mean, even if you know it's coming, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine the headspace that would put me in. Like, what was that like? Well, it actually helped me understand why people did quit buds, right? Or why uh, people do end up leaving organizations because it just wasn't for me. It wasn't that I couldn't do the job. It wasn't that I didn't have the skill set. It was, it was just wasn't me. It just, it didn't feel right. And so, uh, you know, if I had a choice of going out and trying to sell to a doctor or playing PlayStation, I'd go do that. Right. And so the, that that kind of Chris, that kind of showed me that when people quit things, especially buds or you know my company or whatever, that it doesn't make them a bad person. It just means that that path wasn't the right one for them. And so, uh, you know, like I say, unless they do something that's not uh, ethical, uh, we try to help everybody and we separate that job performance away from the individual because uh, every every veteran that I've, I've approached or been uh, in discussion with. They're, they're usually pretty good people. There's a couple bad apples out there, but uh, everybody's usually a good person. And so if you put them in a seat to do a job and they're not doing it, then there's only a few reasons why uh, they don't have the skills. They don't have the desire uh, they, or they don't just have the cognitive ability to do it. And that doesn't make them a bad person. And we've seen it where we've moved people around in Greencastle from one seat to another, and then they excel and they, uh, they do really well. And so, uh, you know, that was that being fired from GE was a, was a actually a pretty positive experience for myself. Uh, you couldn't have told me that back then, but uh, uh, you know, looking back on it, it was definitely that one, uh, one kind of piece in the the whole puzzle that helped, uh, bring a p- couple other pieces together. It's funny when you, you tell that story, Joe, what I, what I take away from it. And I, and I don't know if this is, I don't want to put words in your mouth is what I, it seems like it helped you develop empathy and helped you understand, oh, yeah, so. yeah. you know, folks that aren't necessarily, you know, I, I, and I've had this conversation with actually with a mutual friend of ours recently, you know, this idea of like being a high achiever and this on this unstated expectation that everybody's going to operate at that level. Right. And that's, 
just not realistic, right? It's not, nope. you know, not everybody has that drive. Not everybody has the interest or the, or like you said, the cognitive ability, um, to achieve. Um, but I think that's pretty fascinating. I don't know that something empathy is something that we naturally think about, you know, in the veteran community as much. Yeah, probably not. You know, I mean, the putting yourself in somebody else's shoes is sometimes very difficult to do because you don't know hardly anything that's going on behind the scenes, right? You, you, you only know what I'm showing you and what I'm telling you, you know, you don't know that, you know, maybe I just had a, you know, tragic accident or somebody in my family died or something, you know, or, or whatever, but, uh, you gotta, I always assume positive intent. So unless the person proves otherwise, uh, they, they, they get an initial pass from me. And the way I look at it is the worst case scenario is, is if I give somebody that's, uh, an asshole too many passes, the worst, the worst thing that you can call me is too nice, right? It eventually all works itself out with uh, the individuals that take advantage of the system, or you know, or, or being deceptive, or 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 lying or cheating. It always catches up to them. That's true. I think we've had a couple conversations around here about um, you know just the emotional energy, uh, you know, trying to stay positive and and how judgmental are you going to be, and, and what are you going to spend. On so that. I was going to say the show we like to focus on like hardships and you know things yeah. going sideways. So would you say that that's like the moment where things went sideways for you and then you got set up for success oh, no, later, I mean, but like, yeah, so let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about hard shit. Let's talk about things yeah. that went bad. You want to talk about bad. Uh, let's talk about my childhood. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I grew up in a small town in, uh, Incline village, Nevada. Uh, everybody knows everybody graduating class with 66 people. Uh, and I was in the, the lower half that made the top half possible. I had already been to juvenile hall. <laughs> I'd been in trouble with the cops, all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, that hardship from having alcoholic parents and just being the fourth of four and, uh, essentially, I don't want to say being on my own. Cause I did, <clears throat> I did have a support structure. My parents did care and, uh, other, other, uh, adults were around to help care, but, uh, a lot of it was is uh, you know just trying to figure it out, and so a lot of drinking, a lot of uh, smoking pot, a lot of doing things that I shouldn't have done, and <clears throat> I don't know what it was or why it happened, but uh, uh, my se- after my 17th birthday, I went and joined the Navy, and I needed my dad's permission, and he was kind of upset because he was hoping that there would you know be college or something in my future, and uh, but that was the the moment in my life that I made <clears throat> uh, probably the, the best decision ever. Uh, was to to get out of a small town and break that cycle, and so you know I ship off to the Navy, uh, do the enlisted thing for a couple of years, uh, go to the Naval Academy. Uh, again, still very academically challenged, but uh, did all right. I made it out. You know, the, what, what do they call the last person that crosses the stage, sir? Right. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I made it out, and you know, I believe that you grow the most during these difficult times. And uh, through these uh, periods of stress and, and f- uh, conflict, and so even even at the Naval Academy, um, it, you know the the fairy tale story is is you go there and then you go and na- become a Navy SEAL and that kind of stuff. But when when they did the initial uh, allocation of billets, I was I was the last I was the next or there was sixteen billets and I was number seventeen, and so I did I didn't make it and I was going to a ship out of Sasebo, Japan, the USS Fort McHenry and. Uh, that happened in February of my senior year of the Naval Academy, and uh, five days before graduation, they they walked up to me and said, "Hey, do you still want to be a Navy SEAL?" And uh, I was like, "Yeah, I do." But you know, in between there, I I stopped working out. I stopped uh, trying to pursue that goal because I knew I had a lot of time to to get ramped back up. 
So, you know, talk about adversity. Show, imagine showing up to, to Bud's in your white uniform, 30 pounds overweight. And these instructors just had a field day with me. I mean, it was like the Pillsbury Doughboy. They just kept poking me and, you know, <laughs> make, go get me, go wet, go get wet, sir, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, that just the the level of adversity that a person has to overcome is it's, it's relative, right? You know, um, at the end of my naval career, I, I uh, essentially had to... Uh, and my platoon early because I got diagnosed with colon cancer and it was just like, just another thing like, okay, what do I got to do to get through this? But, uh, the thing that I think really has always been the undercurrent for me to, to overcome those things is the, uh, I don't know if it was officially based on stoicism at the time, but I'm a big believer in stoicism, not the stiff upper lip. Uh, I'm going to just make it through this, but the realizing what you can control and what you can't control. And, um, you know, and, and acting appropriately based upon that. So anytime I'm faced with adversity, it just is like, all right, what do we got to do? Right. It's not a, a, not a woe is me. It's not a, Hey, I feel sorry for myself. It's uh, usually a, a focus on helping the people around me not have to worry about the situation and, and then getting through it together. So with this mentality that you have, do you find it more difficult? So like with employees, if something goes wrong and they immediately want to quit or immediately want to blame somebody else and not take ownership, it's frustrating, right? So like, how do you use that as like a teachable moment? Do you just write it off? Like, do you try to like, what's your, I guess, method for getting through to those? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when I, it goes again, back to buds, when I was at buds, um, we had a class of 269 people when we first started out and I was the the class leader. It doesn't mean I was the best seal. It was just means that I was the first one to show up. And, uh, (laughs) And so every every day, somebody would be like, hey, Mr. Crandall, I'm quitting. Hey, Mr. Crandall, I'm quitting. And uh, I, I got a little numb to that because it was just like, okay, there, go, you know, get away. You're, you're no longer my problem. And, uh, and that happened in very short order. We went from 269 down to like 100 in, you know, four or five weeks, right? And so that kind of uh, made me think, you know, it's, it, again, it's not about the person being bad or good, um, but it's also about uh, the person wanting to help themselves versus just sitting there looking for a handout. I'm, I'm more than willing to help a person that's trying and wants to do it, uh, is, is struggling. But if, if you, and you run into these people all the time, uh, just like I do, but then you get the ones that are like almost entitled, like I, Oh, I deserve this or I should get this and I don't have to work hard for it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more willing to help the, the person that struggles and wants something and then just needs, uh, that little push or that help, whatever it might be to get to where they're going versus the, the, the entitled kind of, uh, uh, attitude that a lot of folks seem to, to have a little bit more often now than, than I remember being an old guy now that I'm old and crotchety. <laughs> I don't know about how old or crotchety you are, brother, but though <laughs> full disclosure, uh, Joe Crandall hop over to his LinkedIn and his description is man, a few words, right. Uh, that, or some describe me as taciturn, I think is, is the yeah. exact quote. Taciturn. Um, I had to look that word up, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, I, I think that says a lot about you, right. I, I, as everybody uses so many people use LinkedIn as an opportunity to sort of blow themselves up and gas themselves up and tell everybody, tell the world how important they are, myself included. Um, that's, I'm not judging. Um, but I think it says a lot about you as a person that you're, you're on the other understated side of the house. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've got this drive, right? You clearly like just signing up for the Navy, is, is one sort of piece that, that, that speaks to something that's going on inside your character. But then you go on to go from being enlisted to getting into the Navy, Naval Academy, which is uh, 
a very challenging prospect by itself. And then when you're at the Naval Academy, despite being near the bottom of your class, you're also pursuing an opportunity to go to the most elite special operations community on the planet Earth. Um, so obviously, there's something special about you. How do you take that and then turn it into the business side? Like, how, what do you? How do you bring those skills? How do you bring that those experiences and then transfer them, you know, into the Greencastle community? Yeah. So uh, let's let's be very clear. Joe Crandall of 2000, 2000, 2001 is a very different Joe Crandall than today, right? I've learned a lot. I I would uh, argue that um, you know I would much rather have been a, a seal with the the knowledge that I have now and the body of that twenty seven year old. <laughs> um, but then the other side is is I'd probably be a lot more cautious and and uh, you know not take as many risks as I did back then, right? And so. Uh, you know, that's, it's a, it's a balance of where you are in your life. And I've, I've often, it's, it's when you meet people, you're meeting them at a, a particular point in their life. Right. And so uh, I've, and this has again, been a thing that uh, I've realized is let's say I'm meeting you for the first time and we, you know, we kick it off. We're having some drinks and some cigars and we're, we're, we're best of buds. Right. And then I meet somebody that knew you 10 years ago and they're like, God, that guy was an asshole. Right. And it's like, I, I appreciate that person's opinion, but it's like, they met you at a different point in your life. And that, that would be the same thing is if you pulled people from my life from, you know, 18 to now, you'd get a, a wide swath of, uh, you know, he's a great guy or man, I can't even believe you made it through seal training. What a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, but the, the important thing is, is I, I've stopped listening to those voices and it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter really in, in all honesty. And, I, and I, I don't mean this negatively, but even what you and Erica or the people at Greencastle think it's, it's more about what I do and, and the, the outcomes that I have. And so my goal is to make sure that uh, I'm growing a company that's a hundred percent veteran and I'm giving veterans an opportunity to improve their station in life. They, a lot of our folks come out of the military making, you know, uh, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. They jump over to Greencastle. They get a nice bump, but that's that's not the end of the story. I, I want to give them training and, and certificates and experience. So if they do ever decide to leave Greencastle, they have more opportunity than they did when they joined. And uh, if they decide to stay, I want to continue to increase the responsibilities and pay them more and, and give them, uh, you know, the things that they need to be successful in a career. But um, you know, the if I, I didn't have that same mentality years ago, this is all, I would say, recent development, probably in the last five or six years. I love that mentality of the 10 years ago me. So like, for instance, to 14 years ago, Erica in, in the army, you know, on my first divorce, going on to my second marriage, <laughs> you know, people would who think about me in that era, they're like, oh, she was always in trouble. She was a party girl. Right. Um, but like, now I, I'm the furthest thing from that. And it's a shame because I, and maybe social media helps a little bit now as people can see you evolve, but like, that's why I hate references or like people who like putting your yeah. old jobs, right? Because if you call somebody that, that was a different time, something may have happened yeah. in that person's life that made them have to leave that job or have poor performance. You have no idea what that person was dealing with or who they are now and what made, what they went through to get. So like that, 
that to me, like that spoke to me because I, I wish that people would give me that courtesy sometimes when they when they go, oh, I remember Erica Weinstein or Erica Walsh. Now she's Erica right. Webster. They call me the collector of W's. You know, like I was going to say, they're all W's. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much noise, and for a long time I listened to it, and it wasn't yes. you know until recently, and you know having a kid and building a family that you just start to realize that's such bullshit. All of that is just that it's noise, and like fuck them. You know what I mean? Like yes. Yeah. Well, social media is the devil. I mean, it really is. And um, because think about social media is uh, somebody is taking a snap of themselves at dinner and it's like, hey, smile. And and then the rest of the dinner, they sit in silence with their spouse and or with the group. And it's like you're only getting that that instantaneous uh, uh, picture of what's going on. And you, you know, it's not as perfect as they're making it out to be. And so that's what, that's why I don't do social media. I've even gotten off of LinkedIn a little bit because it's, it's just so, uh, you know, you see some of these announcements, it's like, you're not the king, (laughs) you know, you're, you you just switch jobs. That's all you did. Why is it? (laughs) Why does it have to be such a a production? Just, just switch jobs and start working, you know? And anyways, but that's, that's, you know, me again, being 51 years old and, you know, no, can't I, run anymore. I think, what, you know, some of the stuff you're saying, Joe, like I, I, you know, to sort of to Erica's point as well, like I, I look back at my career and I think about myself when I was coming out of high school versus when I was in college, college versus being an officer in the army and, and leading soldiers and deploying. And then I think about that per- version of me versus when I was a DA and, you know, as a high level prosecutor and I've accomplished in those ways, but like a totally different person, like, like those experiences revolutionized me and it, and it's happened again, right? I've, I've had positive and negative experiences and sometimes, and I think my, what I'm long winded way of getting to is the point is like, sometimes I think it's a little bit of turning like that external piece. Like you are a different person, but I think one of the things I struggle with is that internal monologue and that internal assessment of like, okay, do I assume that the world views me as the 18 year old version of myself or the 25 year old version of myself or as DA Nick or attorney Nick or team foster Nick. And it's, I, 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 if I'm being totally candid, I, I struggle like even to this day, like people will say, Oh, Nick, you're, you know, you're so empathetic. You're so nice. You know, you run a nonprofit. And I'm like, dude, They're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just, I, I don't, I, in the meantime, you just kicked a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) I think of myself that, you know, when I was a young platoon leader and even uh, less so, but a little bit when I was a DA, I was like, dude, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and fucking get it. You're either with me or get the fuck out of the way. And that was my attitude towards everyone. And you either operated at the level that I perceived myself to be, or, you know, you sort of got shit on. Um, and that, yeah. I, and I don't have that mentality anymore. But I, I don't know. I, I, that's a long way of saying, like, I, I what? I, one of the very last things you said was that your ability to sort of shut out this external assessment and be conscious about the, who you are, what you want to yeah. do, and what you're doing. Well, I think a, a, an important point that I made in my life was uh, not to. So, people always ask, "Who are your heroes? Who you know? Who are you chasing? Who, who do you look up to?" And I, I never had idols or sports heroes or anybody, you know, I'm even, even the military greats, they're, they're great to learn from, but I don't sit there and say, Oh, I want to be like them. Right. And, uh, the, it's going to sound stupid, but Matthew McConaughey, and I think 94 or 84, one of the fours, uh, he did a speech at the Oscars and, uh, they asked him who your hero is. Right. And he said, my hero is me in five years. 
And uh, everybody kind of laughed and chuckled. And he was like, no, my hero is me in five years because I will never reach that person. And in five years, it'll be me in another five years. And so it's always searching and trying to, to do a better version of yourself versus trying to become, become a, a, a version of, uh, I don't even know, uh, Schwarzkopf or uh, you know uh, some of these other military leaders out there. So it's, it's, it's really about, for me, how how does Joe Crandall become better at what I do based upon the the beliefs and the ideals that I I hold true? And uh, you know, in five years, if I'm the same Joe Crandall, then I, I kind of haven't done what I need to do. I should be better. You know, I should be a better father. I should be a better husband. I should be a better business owner. Um, and then in five years, I should even be better than that, right? So that's how I look at it. Is is I'm chasing myself, the future version of myself. And uh, so far, it seems to be working. What are you using to gauge? How are you assessing that you are improving? Yeah. So, I mean, with the business, it's pretty simple. We have a, a 10-year plan, twenty, a uh, five-year plan, three-year plan. So it's it's very well laid out. But personally, it's it's a little bit more nebulous. It's, uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, I'm going through a personal journey right now trying to not to be as angry as uh, I am. And it goes great, you know, for a couple of weeks until I'm not <laughs> great. And it's instantaneous. Like, you know, somebody could cut me off in traffic uh, on my way out to Greencastle and I'll be like, ah, oh, that's great. Uh, and then my daughter can ask me a question i'm like what you know it's like it's like why did why did that trigger it but not some jerk flipping me off because he you know i got cut off right so it's it's about that introspective look and to say okay that i why why am i treating a stranger better than i'm treating my own daughter or my wife or my dog or whatever my kids and so uh and it's it's also not uh beating yourself up if you slip up right uh i you know I, I don't want to, to get angry, but when I do, uh, I, I realize, okay, you know, and I try to realize what was the trigger, what was the situation, why did I do that? Um, and then I try to either avoid it or to, to prevent in some way. And, and I would say the, that, that's getting better. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever really been truly angry at work. Uh, I definitely make sure that the, the brakes are put on there. It's usually uh, outside of work that it, I, I let down a little bit of the guard and it's, it squeaks through. It's funny. I was just going to say, of all the conversations, all the times we've, we've spent time together, Joe, I've never even seen a sniff of this temper, um, which scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> if I did see it. Um, I, yeah, no, you know. it's, uh, it, it can get pretty, pretty uh, violent. Not, not, I mean, I'm not beating people up on the streets and that kind of stuff. Well, listen, you know, um, you know, if I, I know, used to, I but not anymore. In case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just call me first. That's all I ask. You know, <laughs> right. we'll get you squared away. Um, so what's next for for Greencastle, like what's on the horizon, you know, for you as you as a business owner or, or you as a person, like what do you, what world are you looking to conquer next, brother? Yeah. So for Greencastle, uh, it is um, steady as she goes, right? Uh, I believe pretty strongly that uh, uh, once you get it to where it can scale, uh, don't mess with it, right? Unless it really needs to be tweaked. And we've had to do a lot of tweaking from the time that I bought it till now, just to uh, the previous owner, he was he was good at what he did, and, and he got it to a level that he was satisfied with. And when I purchased it, it was like, uh, all right, let's see how far this thing can go. And so, there's anytime you do that, there's a lot of stress, a lot of uh, friction. People, uh, you know, uh, not sure what their jobs are, not that kind of stuff. So I've been trying to very, uh, very uh, purposefully clarify people's jobs and, and so they, they don't have missed expectations. So when they show up to work, they know uh, what they're supposed to be doing. So that's the, that's the first thing with Greencastle. And, you know, on the personal side, it's, uh, you know, trying to 
spend more time with the families, trying to um, do do a uh, do things together versus buying things. Right? Um, it's easy to to buy uh, different things, but um, it's more important, you know, to spend time with the family and, and go do stuff with them. Uh, but uh, that's that's really about it. I mean, it. it I always say life, you know, doesn't change until it really does. And, and you don't know what's coming around the corner, right? It, it could be, you know, an asteroid coming out of the sky or, uh, you know, a heart attack. You never know. Yep. hundred uh, percent. Well, Joe, listen, we are super grateful for you coming on. You know, I, I can tell you on behalf of my organization, on behalf of Team Foster, we're, we're thankful for the support you've provided us uh, as Team CTW. We're super thankful for you coming on the show today and sharing some of your, yeah, thanks for some your stories. Um, and we can't wait to see what you and uh, the GAC community do next. All right. I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks, Erica. Take care, Joe. <laughs> um, so get shit done. That's a, that's a great business model, right? Yeah. Get shit done. I think I have a bracelet downstairs, actually, in my jewelry box that says get shit done. It's black and white letters. Yeah, it was funny. So after we recorded the interview, I, I hopped. I was, I was on LinkedIn. as sorry, we were talking about. And they, somebody actually bought Greencastle. An anonymous person bought him a big-ass sign that says get shit done. Nice. Uh, and I think that's, it, you know, it's a very real straightforward down to earth way of looking at things. And I think that's obviously done, done great by green castle and Joe and his team. And for those who don't curse, you can say, get items done. <laughs> get <laughs> items done. You know, the other thing we did, uh, while we were taking a break from the shows, we did a little bit, a little bit of Googling. <laughs> what, 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 and we think we found out that Simpsons character, Mr. Burns, Mr. Burns. Yeah. So excellent. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was, a, ooh, that was almost a good impersonation. <laughs> I don't do impersonations well, but that was one. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yeah, we are super grateful for Joe for taking some time out, you know, and, it's easy to talk about all the amazing things he's done, but I, I, I'm super grateful for Joe for sharing some of those very personal experiences, right? You know, getting fired is a, a humbling, humbling experience. Surviving cancer, graduating, you know, from buds, becoming a Navy SEAL, growing a multi-million dollar company. Uh, but, you know. It, all from a rough childhood. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't spoon fed. Nothing was he, handed he to that it guy. himself. Um, so yeah, thanks to Joe. Thanks to Greencastle for all the support you've provided for us, for Team Foster, for our show. Uh, we're super grateful. Um, and then we'll see uh, we'll see who we're going to dial up next. We've got some really, really cool guests. I, and I don't want to preview the one I've got in the works. I haven't even told E about it oh, other than to say Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it oh, all this? Faux real. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that would definitely get some viewers, right? If it was, or listeners, if it was, if it was Elvis. Um, but again, thanks to Joe. Thanks for team. Uh, until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Erica. We're out.